You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine, the only Star Wars podcast who did not do a special episode for May the 4th be with you. That's my fault. I was celebrating by showing off my lightsabers to school children, as usual. Uh, but today, we will still be talking about the final Kenobi trailer. <clears throat> That's a true story. I wear them every year. On the, I've got you know cover tech clips, and I wear lightsabers on my belt, and the kids just go, wow, can I, can I hold it? Can I... You know, uh, what color of a blade is that one? You know, ooh, does it make sound? You know, let's have a fight, and and they go nuts. So it's great. Uh, but today we will be talking about the final Kenobi trailer, which did release on Star Wars Day. Uh, of course, I am one of your hosts, Nathan, aka NP Bro, and I'm joined today, as usual, by my co-host and good friend Jonathan Cohn. And as we just said, we'll be discussing the Kenobi trailer. This is the final Kenobi trailer we're going to get. We might get a small TV spot, but don't expect another full trailer and so we'll talk about everything we noticed and are excited about and make our final discussions and predictions for the show before it comes out in just over two weeks yeah <clears throat> so uh jonathan yeah i mean it's it's really fastly approaching uh, sadly if it had been like a may 4th release we would already have uh, some episodes maybe it was really it was ready and they changed their mind but that is moot just to begin with you saw the trailer a uh, lot of new footage, a lot of new things, some new dialogue. Uh, what were you most excited about that you saw that was new? Well, before I get into that real quick, I want to say it wasn't just you that was busy. I pulled off an almost 60-hour work week last week because we had graduation a week earlier than normal. Oh. And let's just say Ooh. that was not fun. <laughs> we were doing 12, 13-hour days. And yeah, so I needed, oh. I needed much respite after that. But... Thankfully, that is moving to a close. Uh, uh, yeah, think things are happening really quickly now. Um, but yes, <laughs> I saw, I did have enough time during the week to watch the Kenobi trailer when it came out, and I figured they'd release something for May the Fourth. I was hoping for something else, but we got something for May the Fourth, and that was the <clears throat> next trailer for Kenobi, and. I saw a lot of my friends on YouTube and on Facebook particularly saying, this is the best Star Wars trailer we've gotten in a while. And I thought, I mean, it's good. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Is it the best, though? I like the first one better. Uh, for one, because yeah. I think the first one has a better like sound, like the music mix is better in it. Um, it's, it's more, mm-hmm. it's, the Duel of the Fates is better utilized there. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and also the, and the, and quote, the quote of Battle of the, of the Heroes. Of the Heroes. Exactly. Yes. yes. It was better utilized there. Whereas this one, it just felt like standard Star Wars music <laughs> in a trailer. Um, uh, and then also, yes, this one had the tease of Vader, but I think, uh, I mean, it's, if, if, if they had gone a little bit further, it would have caused more of a reaction. Now, I think they were wise not to put, I, the less Vader they put in the trailers, the, the better. So I am glad that they're not putting Vader front and center of the marketing, really. But I feel like, as a trailer, it's naturally not going to feel as good to me because they didn't include the big, the big bad in it. So uh, I, I really enjoyed well, it. I thought it was a good trailer. Marketing has got to be fair. I mean, 
in terms of Vader goes, address this real quick. Obviously, they're not going to probably reveal everything. No. <laughs> but if we get a little bit of them on the trailer, there's a decent chance we'll get a fair amount of the show. Yeah. If we get nothing of Vader in the trailer, then we know he's barely going to show up at all. Not necessarily. I get that feeling, you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's, let's, <clears throat> let's be honest. There were some cameos <clears throat> in Doctor Strange that they showed them in the trailer that also were pretty quick in the the you know that they were that were quick in the um in the movie too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the same i don't know if that's the same uh same deal there but i mean yes i i to a degree though it seems like you wouldn't obviously like just reveal your whole if they're in the if they're in the movie for just like ten, ten seconds. You wouldn't reveal that, <laughs> and you time. put it in the trailer, or you, you know, go the or so you go the Spider-Man have, route where you don't show them at all in the in the trailer, and yet they're throughout the movie, and they're in for like thirty <laughs> minutes, and you're like, yes, this is awesome. We actually get tons of scenes, and I was so oh, happy. Yeah. Everyone was. In um, in a quick quick, uh, did you enjoy Doctor Strange too? Is that yeah? A, I gave it like a seven out of ten. I liked it. I thought okay. it was really fun, and I will definitely watch it again. <clears throat> but by no means is it a top tier Marvel movie for me. It's in the mid mid section of it. What about you? You know, it's interesting the the visuals. Yes, uh, it was very imaginative. I think the writing was very consistent. They certainly didn't waste dialogue or time. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, and they paid things off. But they, the way they they wrote things, some of the things they wrote were very a little. They're a little bit forced, right. and they kind of they wrote themselves into tunnels specifically to, to because that's what they wanted yeah. to do. Um, so I didn't I didn't love all of the themes um, in the way that they handled Strange and well we have the one good Doctor Strange. Right. That's kind of a that's kind of a weird take on it, but um, I still enjoyed the movie. I I'm one of those people that needs to see it again before I decide. But one um, thing, this well, I want to go off this tangent because I haven't seen anyone else talk about this, but it did strike me as interesting that they took one character who is the the traditional mom. You know, she's literally like a '50s uh, like uh, you know <coughs> sitcom mom in in WandaVision. Wanda is and. Uh, this isn't a spoiler because this was in the, 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 the extra marketing. Like she starts to become the villain in this movie. And mm. you take a more modern character who is on the, the, the LGBT spectrum and you make her the hero as opposed to the traditional mom who's the villain. And that's the only like that. Uh, there are other things that bother me, but that was the one thing in the movie that made me go. Mm, that's that, that was concerning to me. Was that that theme was the mm. overtone, and maybe I was the only one that got that? But no, no, I think a lot of people got that. But um, you know, it's it's one of those films that when you think about the whole of the MC universe, you probably want to see it. And overall, it's watchable, and uh, it's not it's not terrible. There are worse ones by <laughs> far. It just for being one of the few kind of like Avengers we have left, right? You know, <laughs> it was a little bit of a, a little a little bit of a letdown like mm-hmm. that, you know. So because it feels like that kind of original core, which Strange was kind of a later edition. Anyway. Right. But he's we've gotten a lot of Doctor Strange lately. It's, you know, it seems like he's made a lot of appearances and he's very important. And Cumberbatch is great. I love him. Um, I'll but, say this. I, I totally wish that this movie had come out. 
before <clears throat> Spider-Man No Way Home because Doctor Strange would have made total sense in <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. His, his motivations would have made a lot more sense, I think. Whereas but we were like, yeah, you're going to brainwash everyone for a, for a kid? Yeah, that, that, that checks out. Uh, no, this one, that, yeah. th- it makes sense here. And so I was like, ah. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy. Uh, thinking about how the way that we could have interpreted his, his actions differently. Right. I, think, uh, I think overall, I'm with you. Probably, probably somewhere in the six or seven right. range. Um, but not to take away from some of the things that it did really well. Um, I'm hoping that Kenobi is going to probably handle delicately the time period that it's in and give us things that we want without making us um, reinterpret everything we know. So compared to Rogue One, Mm. a much beloved Star Wars movie by the fans that, you know, a lot of people would argue, gosh, Disney's probably best contribution. But how did that make us reinterpret A New Hope? You know, for you, obviously, you're thinking, what, Galen Erso, Death Star Plans, specific weakness, we got, you know, thermal exhaust port. Is there any other things that really... For me, it was Mon Mothma and Bail Organa that really sold it for me, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, one of the things I wonder going back and watching A New Hope is, why is Mon Mothma not the one at the briefing? Why is it Dodonna there? And this makes sense that, oh, she's kind of around, though. Um, uh, and so I, I uh, and I and it also gives me a better sense of I like seeing like rebellions grow. And I like seeing the background characters of the rebellion. And Rogue One was able to do that. And what Rogue <clears> One <throat> did was it was able to make you it was able to tell an original story that also made you appreciate what it what 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 it is based on what it is coming from so whereas there are other films or projects where it's an original story and you really like it but it doesn't enhance your uh, love of the original at all or it does the opposite where it enhances <clears throat> your love of the original but you don't really like it as its own story take for example uh force awakens force awakens is a mm. movie that i enjoy but mostly because mm-hmm. it feels a lot like A New Hope. Um, uh, mm. And it ca- carries the yeah. same thematic beats. Whereas Rogue One is for sure an original story. There's, there's no doubt it's an original story. Yeah. But it also makes me appreciate and love New Hope and the themes that New Hope has, like hope. So uh, that's why the, the one, one succeeded more in the long term than the other one did. And so that's why <clears> I'm thinking Kenobi has, has, to, has to be more like Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One has this like very clear overview of the whole original trilogy, right. whereas A New Hope has a very specific. I mean, I'm pretty sure George could have intended it to just be one mm-hmm. movie, and he was like, Absolutely. "Okay, it didn't it didn't sell, but I love that movie. I'm so glad I made it." You know, right? And in that reason, it doesn't really have the whole. It sets up things up, but you know, not in the way that it has a theme. The way Rogue One kind of sets up all the mm-hmm. themes. Um, so. So I wonder what themes they're going to latch on to as being important for us during this in-between time period to kind of, you know, emphasize the most. Um, <clears throat> and I, I expect maybe a little bit of, at, at the very least, something alluding to a rebellion forming. Mm-hmm. Uh, will, we, will we see Kenobi interact with them? I just don't know. 
I don't know if it'll be more of like whispers with the people, you know. It seems like by the time that we get to A New Hope, kind of Luke is openly talking about, you know, you mean the rebellion against the Empire? Yeah. He makes this comment, you know, and you're like, oh, that's the first I've heard about it, you right. know, and watching the film. Um, but what is it right now? And when did he, you know, so that's maybe something we could see. Rather than rebellion discussions, I'd like to see a discussion <clears throat> about Jedi communication. <clears throat> um we mm-hmm. see in, in some projects in Rebels, we've seen this and in the novel A New Dawn and in some of the comics. And of course, in the EU, we saw this where it was, did Jedi communicate with each other during the after post Order 66? How did how did the networks form? How did they they help each other yet still stay separated? I mean, we know for a fact that they did communicate because they did, after all, say they had the sacred Jedi texts. So they just had a big text message group. <laughs> I'm sorry about wow, that. Wow, I was, I was trying to see where you were going with that, and I was like, okay. The Jedi, Jedi texts. Text. They texted each other. Okay, all right. Okay, but if you tuned off the podcast right now, I will not be. <laughs> but right. I've been saving that one for two minutes yeah. when I thought about it. But, but, but I all really right. do want to see that type of thing because that's not something heavily explored um, uh, yet, uh, whereas I think that we'll see a lot of rebellion stuff in Andor. We'll see a ton of like building the rebellion. Oh no, I agree. Of, I totally so agree. If, if they, it's kind of like where Book of Boba Fett felt like a retread <coughs> of some themes of Mandalorian. I don't want Andor to feel like a retread of Kenobi. So therefore, I want them to kind of go more. They can have connections and references to each other, but I want them to go separate ways thematically. So if Andor is focusing on the Rebellion, I want Kenobi to focus on the Jedi. And there is a shot in here that really made me go, oh, well, and now I have to think about my predictions now because, uh, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, the guy from Eternals and uh, the comedian. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, like Aman Dinjani Cam- or something Camille- like that. Uh, Najiani, whatever. What's you know who I'm talking about. Um, uh, that actor, while you look it up, I'll, I'll, I'll keep look talking for a second. That actor, we see him in what looks like Jedi robes or something very similar to Jedi robes. Yeah, it's Kumal Nanjiani. Kumal Nanjiani. Yeah. We see him Nanjiani. in something similar to Jedi robes. And I was fully anticipating yeah. him being a droid in this because casting <clears throat> a comedian like that as the droid, that is like, that is the perfect, I mean, you think about, you. we got Alan Tudyk in Rogue One as the droid, we got uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the droid in uh, Solo, like, that is just the perfect type of actor uh, person, or even um, Taika Waititi in Mandalorian, like, it's the perfect type of actor comedian <clears throat> that I would expect to be in that role, so that's why I was fully going into this, prepared for that, and I saw him... Mm-hmm. In the sh- uh, in the in the shot, not as a droid, but rather looking like a Jedi, and I was like, "Ooh, this brings up what communication will Obi Wan have with other Jedi?" And ooh, now I have to think about like how the cast is gonna is is gonna be different, and how much time will Nachiani's character be in there? And so it changed <clears throat> the way I'm expecting the themes to play out regarding <clears throat> Jedi communication in this. I don't know if that's a th- if that's like a you know misdirect. Because we see Owen looking like a Jedi. He's wearing, like, robes the same way, yeah, too. Yeah, but I think that... So I don't know if a Jedi would wear openly 
Jedi robes. I mean, they do just, it all the time in Clone safe. Wars. Uh, now they're not hunted in Clone yeah, Wars. Yeah, but not in. Yeah, that's, that's my point. Yeah, but they still You're not like on the run for your yeah, life. Yeah, but they still go in like the middle of like you know. Uh, they'd go in the middle of like a bar, wearing their Jedi robes, walking in and just putting the hood on, and oh, that's my that's my that's my uh, secret. That's 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 what six. Uh, keeps me hidden as all they need to do is put on the cloak and it's like they're invisible. That's what I'm feeling is that like, well, that is true. They can use the force to somewhat conceal them and the cloaks help with that a lot. But I just don't know if that's a misdirect and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If he is some kind of Jedi connected character, I'll be happy with Mm -hmm. that. Um, Because what you're talking about is something I'm really interested in. And I think fans want to know what is Kenobi's status as far as, you know, his connections, which is right. what you're pointing out. Is he able to, um, you know, maybe deal with somebody connecting with him after his message? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Jedi temple has been overthrown. Um, the one that the, we see in, in Revenge of the Sith, the message that gets sent out. But he doesn't leave any breadcrumbs to follow back to himself. So I almost think if he... If he is connected, it has to be either just total happenstance that he yep. runs around with the Jedi, yep. or that there is some kind of telepathy, some kind of bond mm-hmm. where they can commune and sense each other. And that's one thing, like, <clears throat> isn't it interesting how in the original trilogy, you get Vader all the time saying, I sense someone, a presence. You know, he senses Obi-Wan, he senses Luke. Luke can sense his father, you know, he can sense my presence, but like, there's not a whole lot of that outside of those references. There's a little bit with Yoda in the prequels, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, the dark side I sense in him, but there's not a whole lot there. Mace is like, you know, they talk about being clouded, obviously in Mm -hmm. the force. Um, but I'm curious how they'll address that. Do you think it's more likely that, Basically, every Jedi is on their own, the way kind of Cal Kestis is in Fallen Order, that everybody's just kind of, if they do bump into another Jedi, they're right. like, uh, secret code, we don't talk yeah. to each other. <laughs> I recognize you, like, we're not going to mention anything so that we don't get caught. Um, I think it's more like a, oh, hi, Mark, that type of situation where they're not, they're, they're, they're off all alone, and then they feel something, <clears throat> and it's like, oh, they're here. I guess I guess I sense them. Uh which I think we get our most direct evidence of that in the final shot of the trailer where Obi-Wan seems to be sensing Vader. Uh, now, maybe oh, that's not yeah. what that shot yeah. is. It's implied that that's what that is. But that also, the look on his face is that it really is good because you can see that. It's so weighty, oh, man. man. Oh, I could feel his like his eyes, you know? Hello? There you go. Little break in the internet. No, we could feel the weight in his eyes in that in that moment. You could sense just how much it seems like he's been worn down over the time. So um but I think it's also clear, Jonathan, that if two yeah. Jedi were to get together, they would be more in danger of being sensed by the dark side. By any of the Inquisitors, by Vader especially. So that's why mm-hmm. <clears throat> they definitely stay apart is they right. might come together briefly, but they're like, Oh, they're definitely going to sense that we're together because that'll create some kind of, you know, 
a more easily detected light side kind of nexus when we're, you know, so that's, that's a danger to them. And I wonder if that might be the exciting incident in the series is that a a Jedi character like Camille, Camille Nagiani's character comes to Tatooine looking for Obi-Wan. And that's the thing that makes the Inquisitors go, oh, wait, I sense two life forms over there that are strong in the Force. Well, yeah. And they I, head over there, and Obi-Wan's like, dude, I'm trying to hide here. And then he has to go off. And well, I just thought about this, but what about Luke? So, I mean, that's, oh, right, yeah. that's got to be that's gotta <laughs> be part of it, too. Obi-Wan, he, I think part of it has to be like, oh, I can't be too close to Luke. I mean, I mean, I mean, got to put a little distance anyway. I can watch over him, but... Maybe the fact that he's not trained in the Force is going to make some difference. But I know for a fact when Vader was, you know, chasing him down in, you know, A New Hope, you know, you know, uh, Luke is, of course, piloting the X-Wing. He's, you know, the Force is strong with this one. So maybe it's a proximity thing right then where he was able to pick it up, pick up on it. But surely when Vader's meditating, you get Kenobi and Luke, <clears throat> both really strong in the Force, that are really close to each other. That might be enough to distract him. If it if it won for all the sand, maybe, uh, but no, <laughs> lots of jokes. All the memes, which, by the way, uh, speaking of memes, I've become so ingratiated in the meme culture that when I was reading a Star Wars book recently <clears throat> uh, today, uh, it talked about uh, Palpatine, and it was a scene with Palpatine, and it talks about he says, "I'm gonna have to go have a conversation with the Senate," and all I could think of was, "You're having a conversation <clears throat> with yourself." With yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. He's being serious. Let's have a conversation with the Senate. That's like, uh, yeah, Lego Skywalker Saga. I've been playing. I put like 150 hours into this game, uh, which is very bugged, and glitchy, but worth. very good. He says whenever um, whenever you play as Palpatine, he's, you know, this looks like a job for the Senate. <laughs> when he, he shows up speaking to himself. When he dies and comes back, it's like, ah, oh, surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. But a welcome one. <laughs> so that game is full of the meme culture. Uh, it's very aware of itself, and it's, uh, it's really fun. Uh, but let's go back to the, the whole Luke thing, because if, if Vader has a blind spot for Tatooine, sure, we can explain that away, right? He's right. going to be, I think it's been clear that he doesn't want to go back. He's had too much hurt there, and maybe that's something that they can explain. But the Inquisitors are a different story. Mm. And so I think it's likely that one of them will actually be the one that senses and picks up on. And we see the Inquisitor, I think, interrogating Uncle Owen, right? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like, that's kind of one of those things. I wonder if it wasn't her, or was it, I think it was the girl, right? Reva or Reva? uh, Riva, yeah. Do you pronounce it Riva or Reva? We don't know yet, so. Uh, Either way, yeah, so maybe she senses them, and that's what kind of draws her there. And if if it does, will you be happy if that's the reason? Like, well, Vader was kind of like anti-Tatooine, and that's why he kind of ignored it, but the Inquisitors weren't, or at least she wasn't, and maybe, like, the Grand Inquisitor says, "Eh, Tatooine has nothing, it's the furthest thing from the center of the, you know, uh, <laughs> furthest thing from the center of the universe, um, but she goes anyway, and she finds Kenobi. Are you? That would, would you be, be fine happy? with me? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting if she goes, finds evidence that <clears throat> Kenobi is there, and then calls the other Inquisitors, and that's why the, all the Inquisitors show up at once in that, those few shots that we see. Mm. So that would, 
I think it'd be interesting. We do get a much I clearer do wanna... shot of Grand Inquisitor in this trailer. Yeah. It's early on mm-hmm. in the trailer, and I gotta admit to you, the I like pretty well the the fifth brother. Um, um his his yeah. uh his design is 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 cool to me. Um but the Grand Inquisitor's armor, it looks kind of like oversized for his body. Like the shoulder plates kind of go all the way down past his like elbows. Um, and I don't know if that was a stylized choice. Um, I'm more okay with his head now. I am totally. And maybe because I, you had time to, to, to live with it. Well, maybe, or it just be the angle of the shots in the daylights better. Um, or the two right. sunlights, but I think the outfit is clunky. I honestly do. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't look cool the way Mando or Boba does, you know. And maybe I'll be honest. The, the, the outfit in Rebels is a clunky outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a great it's outfit. Not like, it's not like it's, it, it, he had that much to work with uh, from that. Uh, no, he, he's fine. It's still the voice. That's, that's still it's, – it's, the look doesn't matter to me. When when I hear the voice, I know it's not Jason Isaacs, and that's still going to be an issue. Now I've pretty much resigned myself with characters like Rosario Dawson that we're not we're not getting or with with, with we're her as Ahsoka as opposed to yeah, um, but she uh, owns that role to me in a way that he has yet to prove. So I'll give him the chance, obviously. But like I kind yeah. of have come around on the Rosario thing, and oh, yeah. as much as I love Ashley. I'm I'm okay with Rosario now. I like I I love yeah. Rosario. I'll just go ahead and say that. I, I'll <clears> say <throat> this: what they need to do is have like an interview, like an actor on actor discussion, where Ashley Eckstein interviews Rosario Dawson oh, about man. playing Ahsoka. Like that's all they need. If they just do that, they don't. Have, mm-hmm. I, don't I don't really care what they talk about. I just care that that conversation happens because then it'll just like show the respect of both of them and it'll be like, all right, we're amicable. It's not like they, they overlooked Ashley or anything like that. Once they do that, I will feel much more on board about it. Did you read where Uh, Ashley was? She was interviewed recently and she responds to Hayden watching the Clone Wars and she's talking with such excitement. The fact that like, yeah. Like to her saying like that Anakin Skywalker talking about Hayden, like literally went through and did research by watching our show. And, uh, you know, obviously she was excited about it in her kind of interview. I thought it was really cool to hear her talk about that. I love how humble she is. She didn't seem Mm -hmm. to be at all bothered with Rosario. And Rosario has like super humility herself herself yeah she's like yeah. she's got this reaction to like you know um mark hamill being on set she's like oh my gosh you know and she's she's just super likable too so <clears throat> part of that'll be I like mean, she is a fan like she's a fangirl herself like she is the person that if she had never been cast as ahsoka she would have been watching the show on day one ready for it Mm. If it was another actress cast, because she loves the character so much and she loves Star Wars that much. Mm. And so that's what that's what makes her instantly likable mm. to people is that is that she has that like love for the for the series. And even if Hayden has like there's no obvious things in his performance that are pulled from Clone Wars, the fact that he watched them makes my respect of him go up because it means he's willing to put in the work to to really become part of the fan base. No, absolutely. And I don't know that I could say the same for Ewan McGregor. Um, <clears throat> I'm willing to forgive him <laughs> he, because... He's more old school. Because we love him. Because he's like, <clears throat> TV show. 
<clears throat> well, he would be respectful. He wouldn't. He would not. Yes, he would. Before. But I feel like that he kind of he may come from that more older generation. That's nah, eh. like he he's he's less likely for sure. I think. I I wonder what conversations we'll get in the Disney galleries about mm. him talking about it, and it would it would to me it would like it would mean a whole lot if he had watched some of it at least just to right. I mean, just imagine him sitting down with uh, um, what's his face James Arnold Taylor James Arnold Taylor, and then you know just James getting a chance for one because James has said he hasn't got to meet Ewan, which would have been awesome. He'd love. Which is really him. funny that he's been he's literally <laughs> been playing Obi Wan for twenty years. You know, it was you know the, the Clone Wars series yeah. that Tartakovsky did. That was back in two thousand two, mm-hmm. two thousand or two thousand three ish. Mm. So yeah, twenty years he's been voicing Kenobi, and he still hasn't gotten to meet Ewan. That is a that is a that is a crime. Here's to hoping that the show will rectify that by bringing him on yes. as on live action him, or as a voice or something. It would be cool if he and Matt Lanter oh get walk on roles. Maybe they're both Imperials. Maybe they're just voices on the intercom or or something or mm-hmm. or maybe they're both, you know, stormtroopers. <clears throat> like like they would both I know they both totally would, would do it <laughs> if all they got to be was behind the stormtrooper mask. They would totally do it. Oh, so, oh, are you predicting any um any stormtrooper uh, force persuades in the Kenobi show? Will there I mean, be that has to ha- it has to <laughs> Has to. If they don't, that is like the most obvious low hanging fruit yeah. there's ever been. Yes, I agree. At some point, that needs to be a uh, comic comedic relief kind of moment that we get. Yeah. Um, so, you know, further on in the trailer, we see um, obviously kind of him. You know, Obi Wan's watching over Luke. We see some more shots. I think we've seen at the homestead of the Lars homestead, and then we get to like the most memed moment from this trailer, and right. this moment is like, oh, oh! I and, wish they had saved this because oh, that was such when, a good moment. Oh, when. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> Quinn Kenobi says, "You know, the boy should be trained," and he just like, I mean, like you trained his father. So I've seen that moment. It's 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 been all over the internet. Is just the perfect. They need the thug life meme where the the glasses. Yes, I've seen. I've actually. I'm pretty sure it's. Oh, uh, that's great. <laughs> so, By the way, side note: my favorite meme of that is when <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett was in her uh, hearing. Uh, in the Senate to become the Supreme Court justice. And they asked her, uh, you know, most justices or judges, they bring notes and and books and other things with them. Uh, What do you have uh, uh, helping you out today? And she shows up a blank piece of paper. And they said, oh, what does it say? And she says, United States Senate letterhead. (laughs) Like, so she had nothing helping her out. (laughs) Yeah, it was just a blank piece of paper. I I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> so good good times. I want to say this too: the actor, I I love the actor's kind of resemblance to a midi like a mid, yeah. middle aged Owen. Even though I think were he to dress in kind of like civilian clothes, dude would look not nearly as old as you know they're trying to paint him as. Um, oh yeah, <clears throat> but I'm sure he's going to do a great job. I like kind of the sense that we're going to get that he'll have a kind of active role. Because maybe this is going to be one of those things we look at and the, you know, 
the burning homestead, which we've talked about in our soundtrack episode, that music was just so beautiful and hauntingly mm-hmm. kind of in your, in your mind, it always strikes a certain feeling. Um, but we were never <clears throat> really attached to uncle Owen and we felt bad for aunt Baru. We really did. And the pain is in Luke's eyes. That's where we, where we really relate to that. I wonder mm-hmm. if this will make us care more for them. And I want to see, um, because we never get the we never get the impression that Owen is not a good, you know, stepfather or stepuncle, right. whatever. We never get that impression. We every indication is that Owen and, and Baru are both wonderful. You know, they may just the only thing that they want to do is keep him away from following his dad's footsteps. And you know, they they do a good job as far as I'm see, as far as I can tell. So anyway, I don't know if you saw a different something. Now, um, here's here's a question. Go ahead. The first, the the evidence from both the first trailer <clears throat> shots and from like the Entertainment Weekly shots that we got make me think this is not the case. But I maybe clever editing. This is the case. What if he's the one that gives away Obi Wan? Maybe Obi Wan getting so close is annoying him, and so he purposefully contacts someone that or, or alert, alerts the authorities to try to get Obi Wan out of there. And uh, get him away from messing with his kid. Hmm. Don't think that's going to happen, but it's possible. If that happens, there would be a level of trust broken that I don't know could be repaired. It would be... Well, I mean... It would be so easy for Kenobi. lies. <laughs> yeah. There are lies about Kenobi in, uh, <clears throat> uh, in, in A New Hope. Uh, that's just a crazy old man. Like, doesn't even... Doesn't even, like, a, like give him the moments. Like, he already... Has zero respect, and we're gonna see more of that. Dismissive, sure, yeah, absolutely. But flat out to betray Kenobi, no. If I was Kenobi and he flat out betrays me, no, I'm taking Luke out of here. We're we're you know, let's let's go find somewhere else because at that point, he's literally endangered Luke. He's endangered right. Obi Wan, therefore he's endangered. You know, it's it's clear. So I don't think that that's likely, but maybe... I don't think that's likely. Maybe accidentally. Maybe. Or maybe <clears> when <throat> they do come, he gives away... Like, he's not the one that calls the Inquisitors, but he might save Luke. He might th- throw them Kenobi to try to get him off the trail or something. Hmm. We shall see. We shall see. Um, I will say, I about 15 seconds-ish of the trailer, maybe even 30 seconds of the trailer... Our previous shots from either the that we saw in the previous trailer or that we saw from like the the Entertainment Weekly pictures, so it shows that really we do not have that <clears throat> much imagery from this show. Um, they're really holding it back, which I like. The less they show, I do I do like. So, but I do think they're handling that well. That they clever <coughs> the way they do some of the shots. Make them look like new shots, but really, you lo- you do the old one versus the new one side by side. It's it's the same shot. So, so I do like that. All right, I I'm I'm curious what your opinion is. Do you feel like we're going to get a a B plot? So if Kenobi is the main kind of A plot, how much of the of the um, Inquisitors will they in you know in in like their relationships? You know, clearly we're going to see some shots of them on their, you know, uh, their base. The which you, vis- you right. visit that in, in Fallen Order, yeah, Inquisitorious. Mm-hmm. The tower, you know, this like, you know, it's this black 
this thing in the middle of the ocean, like super cool right. looking. And you see them, they've got like the, you know, a map room and it's all, you know, decked out Imperial stuff. Um, but in this kind of relationship, are we going to have a B plot where we follow one inquisitor more than the others? What I are definitely you sensing? think Reva is going to be heavily followed. I think that of the inquisitors, she's going to get a, the most screen <clears throat> time and be the most journey as a character for one, because <clears throat> The fifth brother and the Grand Inquisitor, we have an ending for them. They both survive. (laughs) Yeah. They both survive. But also, like, we have, like, we have a story about them where they're the central villain. Then Grand Inquisitor, season one of Rebels. The fifth brother, co-villain of season two of Rebels. Although there's other villains, too. But... Mm -hmm. So there's not like it, there's nothing really for them to do there by using Reva as the as the as the main antagonist here is that's someone new that's somewhere fresh for them to go mm-hmm. uh, uh, and also there's of course the, the possibility that sh- sh- we don't know whether she will live or die. Oh, by she's the the she's gonna die. I am I don't know eighty five percent sure that she will die. Um, that's what I'm thinking. She will either die okay. or. Live or, long enough to become the villain? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Always finish. I wanted my to do that meme with both uh, Doctor Strange and Wanda uh, for, for Doctor Strange. So. Yeah, Batman teaches us the best lessons. But Batman, <laughs> Batman does not kill his Doctor Strange just because they can't control him. You know, I feel like that in Doctor Strange, multi- it should have been like an Avatar moment where... You know, he at the end. Spoiler alert: the Blue end people? of the end of Last Airbender. They oh. take away the Fire Lord's ability to bend. That's what Aang does to defeat him. Mm. Spoiler alert: over. And so you know, <laughs> but Doctor Strange, they're just like. And spoiler alert: yeah, it's like okay, kill him with your whisper, whisper breath. He, you know, he made a mistake. Don't like, you know, prevent him from, uh, you know, going back to being like a a really good surgeon or something like that. Um, no, far be right. it from us to do that. Um, hang on, my cat just messed up my monitors and I can't see anything. Oh no! <clears throat> well, I'll go for a second then. Um, uh, I will say, for another thought I had for the trailer, was that there are some shots that really intrigue me, but at the same time, I can totally tell that they were shot on the volume. The shots that appear to be inside the fortress where some battle is going on, you see them in two places. At the beginning of the trailer, where you see kind of like the fortress with the, the, the TIE fighters hanging up, and you see Reva walking through, and it's kind of a blue sky outside. I can totally see that's where the, you know, th- that's the volume that they shot that in. That's where the end of the volume is. But at the same time, it actually looked really cool to me, so I was okay with that. And then at the same time, you also have at the end of this uh, trailer, you know, the shot in the same place where a battle is going on. You see her <clears> twirling <throat> her lightsaber there. And uh, <clears throat> uh, you can all, so it was one of those times where I could see the volume, but I respected the shot because I did think it, it meshed really well. Like, I almost wish we never knew that the volume existed because now I can totally tell <clears throat> when they're using it. <laughs> and... But, but it's still, the way that it looks so real while at the same time I'm able to be like, okay, that makes sense how they did that. Like, I, th- I thought that was cool in the trailer. Well, they'll keep getting better using it. But it's interesting right. that you knew exactly where it was. And I'm wondering if, like, a fan who doesn't kind of follow the Disney galleries 
would mm-hmm. think something different. Um, uh, any idea what takes Kenobi off planet? So we got another shot. We we see some stormtroopers. We see really we've seen like uh, a firefight across rooftops, and then in this trailer we see Rava. Uh, I think Reva, she is the one overlooking this from a distance where Kenobi mm-hmm. looks like he's in a firefight with somebody. Um, and then we see like the birds kind of get, it looks like the the owls that kind of Ahsoka is connected to. You know what I'm talking about? It looks I'm sorry. Like, I'm looking behind you. Your cat is being funny. Your cat's trying to get the, trying to uh, get the doorknob there. Oh, he is? He's like, where? <laughs> where? where? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, he's say he's that stuck again. in here with me. No, I was saying that the, uh, the owls, you know, the owl that Ahsoka is obviously connected to. It seems like kind of a right. star for her. That, isn't that, like, because we see in the first trailer some of those being released on the rooftop scene, like there's some kind of, like, cage and they're shot, and then they're, like, these green-skinned owls and they're released. And then the second trailer we see Rava kind of overlooking that scene as if she's kind of narrowing the chase on Kenobi. I didn't get the in- impression that it was the same <clears throat> type of owl. Uh, okay. Necessarily. Yeah. I just okay. thought it was a bird creature. Yeah, uh, but okay. maybe. I mean, it would cool to get that kind of connection. But if we're going to get any connection to that type of owl, it's going to be an Ahsoka. Which, oh, yeah. by the way, did you see the uh, the picture they released of the director's chair and it says Ahsoka yes. on it, and then Dave's hat is just casually hanging off of it? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that I love I love the not so subtle reference to the world between worlds in the Ahsoka logo. Yes, on the logo. <laughs> oh man. Um, it looks like though the so um, in terms of droids, you know this is a protocol droid that's shooting against Obi Wan on this rooftop right. in this firefight. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones with like the big like bug spidery type eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And mm-hmm. like we've seen that one. I think we saw it on Cloud City on Bespin's the last time we saw it. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. It could have been it could have been Tatooine that we saw one of these droids, but we've never seen a protocol droid just like, you know, doing battle like this. We've seen like <laughs> obviously when we had C three PO with a uh, you know a, a battle droid's head, but um, right. But that's the only time. So I'm just curious, you know, if this droid will be like actually you know limber and <laughs> have agility running around and chasing or what's the situation behind this droid we see another droid so did you see the small tiny spherical droid that kind of like was in the dude's hand it could have been i think it was one of the inquisitors it might have been Rava, and she had this kind of circle droid in the beginning of her hand i think it was earlier on I in the trailer <clears throat> didn't see that it looked really small um and uh, so I'm interested to see who that tiny little droid is. It could be, and I'm hearing some rumors. I don't know what to believe or not, but it could be that we're being set up where Rava, the Inquisitor, the I think third sister, she's kind of being set up as someone who might or might not be uh, betraying the Inquisitors. Yes. So like that would make sense, just from a perspective of. If you have Obi-Wan and he has to fight a bunch of Inquisitors and He's going Vader, to try to he's gonna redeem be, at least one of them because that's what he does. Yes. If he gets a well, chance well, also, to talk, you know, if he gets a chance to like talk a, in battle, he would. But yeah, from I, I get from what you're saying, too. I'm just saying, from like, a battle Obi-Wan perspective, he will is, be so overpowered. He's the guy who learned not to just go into battle rushing. He's going to try and talk to his... He's going to try and learn what what turned on the dark side, what their flaw or what the what the dark side did or preyed upon or what's the fear that, that's controlling them. 
Like Kenobi mm-hmm. is that compassionate person, don't you think? But also, right? he does and need help if he's going to fight other Inquisitors and Vader. He's going to fight them. I mean, th- think about you know, in Clone Wars, he gets Ventress to help him. Yeah. Uh, against against Maul, <clears throat> so he's not opposed to using help when he needs it. Um, uh, and it's just like I'm just I'm just thinking if if I'm a, if I'm the writer of, of of Kenobi, and I have Kenobi against. All the Inquisitors. Now, I can get, if, if he was picking off the Inquisitors, like you saw three of them at the beginning, and in each episode, he's like getting a, fighting a more powerful one, and it's showing his power that he's able to defeat them all. And then he gets to <clears> Vader, <throat> and he has to fight against Vader and lose. I get, like, that would make sense. But we know that he doesn't fully defeat the other two Inquisitors because they survive. So most likely, they're going to be around for the climax of the story, or at least they'll still be alive. So it makes more sense that Obi-Wan's going to need help because he cannot fight all of them together. And so what better way to do that than to use an existing character and to turn them good, which Star Wars likes to do. You have Vader turning good at the end against Palpatine. Mm -hmm. You have Kylo turning good at the end against Palpatine. You have uh, Ventress. She's not turning good, but turning better to mm-hmm. help Obi-Wan. So that's very much a common theme and trope that they would utilize in Star Wars, not just in the new Star Wars. So I think that that would work perfectly fine for her to step in. And even if she's not totally redeemed, even if she's still kind of like a an anti-hero, to see her join Kenobi in the fight would make well, sense. Well, we know that the Inquisitors all used to be Jedi. The Grand Inquisitor right. was a Jedi. We mm-hmm. know for a fact that he was basically turned to the dark side through torture, I would assume, through, you know, threats, and eventually fully embraced it, right? Right. For the rest of his life, really. But not the case necessarily for every Inquisitor. So maybe they could be redeemed or that's what what we'll see. I think, what are the chances that Vader says to them, Kenobi's mine, and that's why uh, they, you know, survive, you know, no, leave him to me. You know, that type of situation. So maybe that that, that would be uh, whatever the case. <clears throat> it has to end with Vader either thinking that he's killed Kenobi or thinking that Kenobi's never going to be able to fight him again. One of the two. Because I feel like he would never let Kenobi leave or, or live if that was the case. He would, he would hunt Kenobi. The only reason he doesn't pursue Ahsoka is because at the end of Rebel season two, he thinks he defeated Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Yeah. He's he kind of confused her. by it. Well, oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about in the end of Clone Wars where we see him pick up our lightsaber. No, 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 yes, no. Yeah, at the no, end of, in, in the, the end, end of Rebels, two. when th- basically collapses, the tower does yeah. on top of her. Right. Um, and he doesn't know that she he was pulled into won. the world between worlds. Mm-hmm. So for that reason alone, he was like, well, she's dead. Um, That's why I think something similar has got to happen where... No, I totally agree. I wonder if it's going to be that one of the Inquisitors says, um, maybe Rava, who says, like, you know, yeah, I I took him out. Kenobi's dead. (laughs) As her, like... And she's, like, turned by that point. And that's what Vader's like, hmm, could you be lying? I don't know. <laughs> and then he just kills her. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's like one of those things where um it seems to be that 
Kenobi is so disheartened that he's like pretty confident. Vader's pretty confident. It's like Obi-Wan's never going to be a threat again. He might be out there, mm-hmm. but he has nothing to live for. Maybe he loses whatever, whatever brings him off the planet. Vader stops him. And right. so he doesn't get what he's after. He doesn't save the person and it's a failure. And Vader's like, Oh, I, well, even if, you know, he's out there, he has nothing left. You know, there's nothing left for him. It doesn't matter. Um, or I don't know. Or. I don't know. Go ahead. Keep, oh, keep with your here's, or. Here's another What's your one. or? My or is maybe <clears throat> Vader knows Obi-Wan survives and just decides not to pursue him. Maybe there's a little bit of empathy left <clears throat> that he's not. I like so this. nice going, that he's going to have a he's he's not going to be so nice that he's going to like sit down and have conversations or or, or anything like that. <clears throat> but he's almost like there's like a, a like a not a pity, but like a something he feels something and it feels I don't need to kill him. I just need to fight against him. And that will be enough that I can tell the emperor, oh, I failed or or, or oh, yeah, I, I, Kenobi's not going to be a bother anymore. And that's his justification for why he can leave him alive. And that way he's not guilty about killing his former master. Maybe there's something like that. And that would give him much more. That would give him much more depth in the story. Wouldn't it be cool if we get Vader saying, I betrayed and murdered Anakin Skywalker? (laughs) That would be cool. Um, oh, that would be cool. And then so we get, you know, this obvious line that we remember that we say, oh, well, it was partially true from a certain point of view. No, yeah. it's a quote from Vader. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be awesome? I feel like people would <clears throat> I feel like people would meme it if done improperly. So I feel like they have to be very delicate yeah. in the way they handle no, it. I, but still, I, that would be cool. But here's what you got me thinking of. There's a great line in Revenge of the or Return of the Jedi where he says, Obi-Wan once thought as you do, you know, come with me. Father. Right. So, um, and that line is kind of a throwaway, but it seems to be contradictory to the last time. Like when they face each other in episode four, it's like, you know, I'm, you know, I am the master. I'm no longer the learner. And so we've got this other conflict. I definitely think Obi-Wan is going to be reaching out to him and there's going to be, right. There's got to be some point where we see Anakin come out for just a second, just enough to give us hope. Um, But maybe just that split second is all it is, and it's not enough for that Obi-Wan has hope. Because Obi-Wan doesn't think he can be saved after this. Maybe Mm -hmm. Luke does. Obviously, he does eventually. But I think that's kind of the key that has to happen. Um, Right. Is is Vader going to win, or is is Obi-Wan going to win this? I think most likely Vader wins, <clears throat> or at least thinks he wins. Again, I, I don't think that Obi-Wan overpowers Vader in the end. I think that Vader does come out victorious. There's got to be something that breaks Obi-Wan's spirit, that makes him think there's nothing left of, of Anakin left, and that makes him think, ah, he's like, he's like I, I can't be the one to fight him. It has to be Luke. Like there's that's that's gotta be somehow the end result of no, this. No, I love that because he has to think Luke has a chance, right? 
and mm. not himself. And not himself. Not maybe ju- not just because like Luke is his, you know, powerful, but it's got to be the connection that he's his son. And maybe we get we get more like that Obi-Wan's plan from the beginning was that Luke would somehow be the one to reach him. And maybe right. we get more of that than we realize. I don't know. Maybe he crafted his words in episode four more deliberately than when we ever realized. Mm-hmm. And and his yeah. his plan was more along the lines of redemption than we thought. I don't know. I would love it if to be. OK, so if if it's revealed that like <clears throat> some inquisitor is the one who's behind all this, I won't be happy. But it's revealed that Obi-Wan is like. Yes, I do see enough that Obi- that Vader could be redeemed one day. I just have to, I just have to convince Luke somehow that he could be, um, right? And I have to do things just right, and I have to, you know, obviously mentor him and train him, and teach him to hope, teach him to believe that things could be better, teach him to like put faith that even the worst person could be saved. You know, anyway. So that would would just be awesome. I don't know. Are you with me on that? Are you leaning towards? I am with you. Okay. I I think I think I think we will get some discussion of the redemption possibility somehow in this. The fact that they're putting Hayden front and center of the marketing without putting Vader front and center of the marketing shows like the fact that he was on the red carpet that they recently did. That the Mm -hmm. that Hayden is doing interviews and stuff means that they're utilizing him for this and means that he's an intricate part of this, which means that they're doing more depth than just Vader fighting against. It's not just, you know, a stunt double in the, in the Vader suit battling against Ewan McGregor. It's actually Hayden doing, doing the work and somehow, and he, and it has, it has more meaning because of it. Mm. So. No, I, I think I would we like did to... get confirmed that Hayden's wearing the suit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we but um, I do want to shift gears a little bit, talk a little bit more externalities. Uh, one of the uh, so, so one of the writers of this is uh, Andrew Stanton, who wrote um, uh, all the Toy Story movies. And so uh, he actually includes a lot of Star Wars references in the Toy Story movies, particularly yeah. the uh, the second Emperor one. Emperor Zerg, uh, yeah. Emperor Zerg, right. So I'm really uh, – <laughs> Uh, interested in seeing what he does. I mean, he also wrote, you know, Finding Nemo and, and Wally and stuff. But he, he wrote the Toy Story movies, and with all the Star Wars references, I'm like, okay, I'm on board. He, he, he's written some pretty good movies. Um, also, remember back in like 2017, 2018, that um, uh, we were, there was a rumored Obi Wan movie. And, yes. uh, the, and, and we knew the director, we did not know the writer of that movie at the time, but we knew who they wanted to direct it. Well, uh, one of the guys who handles Force Center, Joseph Scrimshaw, he works in Hollywood. He's, he's a writer in Hollywood. And he found out that who the, he found out back then, back in 2017, 2018, who that writer was. And that is one of the writers on the writing team for, for, for the TV show Kenobi. And which makes me think they may have retooled some of the, the movie ideas for the show, like obviously we think they retooled it because the the idea of doing a movie with Kenobi was retooled into a show, but literally some of the ideas were retooled because they have the writer still attached um, as one of the the writers. And this is not what's interesting is this is going to be our first 
live action Star Wars show that's not had like a single writing entity behind it. We've had Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Pretty much, you had John Favreau writing with a bunch of directors carrying out his vision. With this, it's an ensemble of writers, but you have one director who's in charge of it. And that's what we got from Marvel with WandaVision and Loki, where you had multiple writers. You may have had a showrunner as the writer, but you had multiple writers, but you had a single director in charge of all of it. So this is going to be a bit different in the way that they handle the production on that standpoint, which is why Deborah Chow really has also been front and center recently, but they haven't really trotted out the writers as much. Um, so I, I, find, I find those... Strange. No, very compelling. And I'm interested to know, just as far as like who the writers are, you know, what kind of overall discussions they had about taking repurposing, did they change? I, I don't yeah. know if they would reveal that or not, but um, it seems to me that Star Wars is always, you know, adapting and, uh, you know, learning. Um, right. <clears throat> whenever, you know, whenever they came out with, uh, like, um, I think it was season two of Rebels at the end with the, wor- the World Between Worlds. Was when season they were four, but... Season four. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. That's when... He pulls her out, but it's at the season. <laughs> he travels back it's to season, season two. two. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, because the, the last shot was her kind of like limping into this triangle kind of hole in the temple wall, um, mm-hmm. which was revealed to be obviously. But um, that I don't know if they decided at that point how far they would take that. Are they going to do a whole Ahsoka so- series where that's a, an important thing? You know. So I'm just curious, like, what type of things did they repurpose in this? But you know, as we look at some of the other final shots of this, um, one thing I need to mention is there's a there's a um, Zabrak Iridorian yeah that is that he's in a fist fight with Kenobi in this like back alley yep. and somebody else and we get this overhead look like we see like like Anakin and the five of first marching on the Jedi Temple right. type of overhead look, um, which mm-hmm. is a cool shot. Uh, <clears throat> I get the feeling from the dialogue in this trailer that. Once they find Kenobi, they send everybody after him. That's what it basically says, like, pressure him. Go, basically put him in the position where Kenobi has to literally either run, fight, but he's going to expose himself and leave a trail that we're going to keep following him. We basically have unlimited people to throw at him. We have just dudes and dudes and dudes, bounty hunters, doesn't matter the resources, we'll do whatever it takes. So, because of that, um, clearly he's going to have to like be on the run for a little portion of this. I think, I think it's possible we get some really good fight sequences where he's using the force in little kind of clever ways that right. are like subtle to not reveal himself, but eventually he's like, Oh, screw it. And they all figured it out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, plenty of so uncivilized moments, but um, he just has this charm. Like, Ewan has always got this like great delivery for his one-liners, mm-hmm. but I wonder what are the one-liners that we're gonna get, and if that's not if that's not a thought that's going into the writer's mind of like how can we really even while he's depressed and basically alone how can we have him be just as charming as ever? Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when he gets back into the swing of things, so right. so called. Uh, swing of the lightsaber. Which, whatever. speaking of which, I do have to say, back to our talk about how Anakin and I, how Hayden Christensen did do research in the Clone Wars. I will say this: Ewan said 
he wants to do more Star Wars. He didn't say he wants to do another season of Kenobi. He didn't say, you know, something like that. But he said, <clears throat> I do want to do something else in Star Wars. Which means to me, A, he enjoyed his time on the set. It This didn't feel like a chore. It didn't feel like just another paycheck. But also, it shows that he really is enthusiastic about Star Wars in general. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't really a big Star Wars fan with the prequels coming out because I was, you know, five when Revenge of the Sith came out. So Mm. um, uh, I wasn't following all of this. But I don't know what his personality was like, what his interaction with the fan base was at the time. But at least now you can tell he's really getting into it. And, and, and he's willing to come back, whereas you have someone on the opposite end of the spectrum, like Harrison Ford, who's like, get me out of this as soon as possible. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And so I do like that he's yeah. at least... And now maybe he is thinking, oh, he man, is. the paycheck but from this was super good. Man, I love that. I'm doing this again. Maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't think that's what it is, though, because I think that Ewan could get... Well, I think he could get a lot of good paychecks from other properties, too. Yeah, he's always been able to do that. I just am happy... I think Ewan was always in the in the in the prequels. He was always really well liked, right? Um, but he has grown so much in his popularity. Oh, absolutely! I, I think it was a shock to him, and I think it will continue to be a shock to him <laughs> once this comes out. But the biggest one is, and we've talked about this on so many other podcasts and Star Wars, you know, YouTube channels. Hayden's return is going to be met with such a different response right. than his exodus. And for the better, for the oh, absolute absolutely. better, I am pumped that he is going to return to like open arms as the character, mm-hmm. like the embrace that he got when he returned to Star Wars Celebration a couple years ago. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was yeah. wonderful to see and healing, you know, I'm sure for him a lot of ways where he got all these complaints like, Oh, George wrote an awkward teenage character and people are, you know, upset that he's an awkward teenager like <laughs> teenagers happen to actually be. <laughs> you know, um, even, you know, that's a simplification, but. You know, I, one of my, um, uh, someone I know, uh, my brother-in-law, he is <clears throat> not ingratiated in the YouTube or Reddit culture. He's not online looking at discourse behind Judy trailers. He might watch a movie trailer, but he's not intricately involved in fandoms in the same way, uh, although he is a, he kind of is a Star Wars fan. But he, when he found out that Ewan was coming back, he was like, oh, no one's going to like or that. Or Hayden. Yeah, Hayden. Hayden was, Hayden. was coming okay, back. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. He was, he was like, like he, he was like, really? People want that? And I was like, oh, absolutely. And he mm. was a shock to him, too. So there are people who aren't expecting it or, or te- ter- terribly excited about it, but there are, there are a heck of a lot more right now than there would have been 10 years ago <clears> seeing <throat> Hayden return. It, it's interesting to me because I can think of friends of mine who would probably say the same thing um, out of their probably just general lack of being in the Star Wars kind of community. Right. Um, and your, but, and your, your generation is just... You're you're just you're just around the threshold of those who aren't the memers, who aren't the the uh, you know the 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 people who absolutely loved the prequels. I mean, you, you your generation does love the prequels, but you're right. You're kind of straddling two of them, just about as opposed to my generation, which is um, much more like everyone from my generation loves the prequels, just about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
because of that, you you might have more friends naturally in your in your friend close friend groups that are n- not as predisposed to you and yeah. Hayden. It's possible. Hey, we've already talked about it, but that last look of this of this trailer, yeah, you see you see Ewan's face, and that's really what it ends on mm-hmm. is the shadows that are on his face, just like there's. Both his eyes are shadowed. Half of his face is shadowed. His nose is just this deep V, you know? And it's so Alec Guinness. It is so much of the the look that Alec Guinness has when he's kind of reminiscing. It's it's one of the things that I have always loved, and people have pointed this out, is kind of the facial structure is so similar between those actors. Right. And it's it's really pretty incredible, like that Mm -hmm. they have that that much in common. Right. But This this has to be in the back of his mind where he's like, you know, I have to become not just my version of the character. I have to become Alec Guinness's Alec Guinness. version of the character. Right. So I'm excited to see the type of things that, like, Kenobi does to, you know, or that Ewan puts into the role just to bridge the gap. I, I can't wait to see that stuff. Um, and I think visually we're going to see lots of great stuff. We'll we'll see a lot of the, the Disney side is the clean, polished Imperial look, like, I get that it's super shiny. Everything is a reflective surface, and that's like a big deal for new kind of Disney Star Wars. Um, That's not like the way that I see the original trilogy at all. There was not, you know, super reflective floors. There were occasionally on the Death Star, but not like the ultra polished that we get today, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want it to seem too polished, because if it does, it's like, it's not quite lived in Star Wars. It's not right. quite the dirty, gritty Star Wars. It's Star Trek, you know, um, not new Star Trek, like real Star real Trek. Real Star Trek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me if you like, uh, you know, if you're one of those STD. I am still, I'm still excited about Strange New Worlds, and I will watch that eventually. <clears throat> um, one because I think it's uh, it, it, from from what I've heard, it, it feels more like OG Star Trek. Also because John Jackson Miller is writing the first of the Strange New Worlds novels. So I want to watch the show so I understand what's happening in preparation for the book. But mm. I am excited for that one. But yeah, yeah, Picard and uh, uh, Discovery. Eh, not, 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 not the, I, not I had to. I had to move on. You know, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't even. I didn't even watch season two of, of Picard, and I. I feel really bad. Everyone says, "Oh, it's better than season one," and I'm like, "That's that's not that high a bar, guys." <laughs> I've heard it's worse. If it's yeah, some of the things that it does, it's worse, but. Um, <clears throat> I was not yeah. happy with the, what they did with Seven of Nine. That's one of my fa- that's one of my favorite, if not my favorite character from Voyager, and mm. I, I did not like what they did with her. They just yeah, they have a totally different vision. They're trying to execute something. So, Are I they trying to execute Order Kenobi, 66? No, I wish they were. <laughs> uh, they need to execute it on themselves. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> no, that's a um, dark turn. <laughs> That's a very dark turn, sorry. <laughs> I'm very, very, very mad about this. I'm so grumpy. Now, it's it's gonna be curious, like the themes that Kenobi focuses on, and you know, if it gives us a, a story of protection and sacrifice with some redemption, with a little bit of hope, and a lot of lot of the questions we have about Jedi, and maybe less so about the rebellion. Less right. so about the you know that, but maybe we get a Bail Organa because Bail obviously you know, <clears throat> you know he tells his daughter he has to know that everyone's still out there, and mm-hmm. Leia apparently knows that 
you know, he's still out there. We haven't talked much about Leia. Uh, there were a lot of rumors that she was going to be big in this show early on. I don't know if she appears at all now. I, I would rather I wonder. I would rather both of them show up in Andor. That is a better <clears throat> fit for me to see Leia hmm. and and Bale. Now Leia, it's the age problem because she'll be so close to, you know, A New Hope. But I would rather see Bale for sure in Andor. I think it's a much better fit for him. Plus, there's hmm. with how short Kenobi's gonna be, and with how much we already have to, how much story we already have to tell. They don't need to throw in any more extra characters. Than yeah. they, they absolutely You're need telling to. me. So if they're gonna sell these arcs, then they really need to focus. And and I loved like Mando. It had no rush whatsoever. Right. We got plenty of time to let it develop, mm-hmm. and it just turned into this great thing. Mando season one is a classic season of just yeah. a story that happened that developed, right. um, and it took its time. I don't know if. This is that type of story, though. <laughs> I feel like different. if we get a whole bunch of like of like Boba Fett going like like a bantha, you know, <laughs> if we get a lot of that in this show, we're gonna go. We're wasting our time, you know. We only right. get these six episodes. Rush, you know, get us, get us to the part, get us to the thing. Um, Which I will anyway. say, uh, changing <laughs> tune from that, I am very interested in Natalie Holt and what the score she's gonna turn in. Um, yeah, loved her, loved her Loki score. Thought it was great. How mm. each episode took the same core of the score of the same Loki theme and changed it a little bit each episode. Um, uh, Samuel Kim did a great thing where he basically redid and he did every version of the the Loki theme in all the in all the episodes, and it, it's really good. So I want to mm. see if she's gonna have take like if if Williams is going to write the Kenobi theme for this show and it's the overall theme. And then if she does an orchestral version and then it's just a piano version and then it's just a, uh, uh, a string version. Like you, every, every episode has a different version that it'll use. I'm very interested in how she's going to do that. I would love it if it's classic star Wars more so than Boba or, or Mando so much. And I think that the fact that they're bringing in John Williams, I think is evidence to that, that they're going to go in that direction. More so. It doesn't have to be all the way, right. but very heavily in that direction. And they don't... Well, now, here's oh, one more thing. Do we think yeah. they will have the same style credits of the artwork in the background um, that that Mando and Boba Fett does? I don't see why not. Well, here's, you... the, here's the reason why not. At some point, like, the, the TV shows aren't all run by the same person. They're all not, not all run by Jon Favreau. So you have to wonder... Is it just that the John Favreau shows mm-hmm. have that distinct style of credits, or, or are they going to go? Mm-hmm. Because if they're going to break away, they need to do it soon, because otherwise it will become too ingrained in everyone's minds that that's how you do credits for a TV show. Now, I like the idea because I like the artwork. I think it looks great. Well, Bad but Batch they... did that some too, didn't it? Nope. Didn't Bad they? Batch always had the bum, bada bum, okay. bum, bum, with the, okay. with the black background. Um, okay. So I. I think that if any show is going to start breaking away from that, it's either this or Andor. And if this mm. show doesn't break away, it's going to feel even more jarring if they do break away in Andor. So, mm. I, I mean, I'm fine either way, but I feel like they kind of almost have to <clears throat> do a different style of credits just to establish that you can do a different style of credits. Because, for instance, right. when they did Rogue One without a crawl, 
boy, that did, was that whiplash for a lot of people. Um, yeah, they kept we the were same going credits. in wondering if they would. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, they kept the same credits at the end, but the whiplash of not having a crawl was a lot. And they were like, but it can't be a Star Wars movie without a crawl. And that's why in Solo, they didn't have a crawl, but they had the text on the screen at the beginning. So that's why I'm like, they're, we're going to be like, it can't be a Star Wars show if it doesn't have the, the, that style of credits at the end. So that'll be an interesting discussion when it does happen. And we'll find out in two weeks. Hmm. Okay. Well, this was a great dive. I am, I am very excited. Are you hesitant? Are you at all worried? I think I'm nine out of ten, not worried. One only one out of ten worried. Would We've you say got, that's about fair? Yeah. There's always. Or the were you fear more worried? That, there's always the fear that uh, that that they could mess it up, but. Uh, we have the writer of Toy Story, the director of Mando episodes, and the uh, score composer for Loki. I'm mm-hmm. pretty that, that that's a pretty good combination for me. It's a good team. It depends on if they work together well. Yes, but yeah. okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And mm-hmm. man, it was good to just uh, be back with you, sir. We may be back next time with our Disney galleries for Book of Boba Fett. Which mm-hmm. just released also on May the fourth. So yeah. man, have you watched that yet? Have you? Have you I been able to, actually uh, have only watched pieces. I watched the first okay. five minutes, and then I w- watched I'll, the five uh, minutes to talk about uh, 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 the episode with Rosario and uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and okay. Mark Hamill. But, it's uh, yeah, it's so interesting, and I'll have to do a rewatch. We'll talk about it, but yeah. that may be for for our next topic, and then we're soon, very very soon, to be talking about new episodes. And, Kenobi. by the way, we are fast approaching episode 100, and I believe, I'll yeah. have to go back and check, but I believe this is also our two-year, I know for a fact it's this month, I don't know what day, but uh, actually it might be today, now that I think about it. Well, happy uh, we're anniversary, yeah, two, bro. Two-year anniversary <laughs> to, the, to the podcast, yeah. Still going strong. Should I look that up? Should I look that up? Yeah, I want to make sure before, because... Yeah, that, that would be a, a momentous. I caught it last year. Last year, I was like, "Oh wait, that was one year ago today." Um, I did not not notice it uh, this year. I do know this is our ninety eighth episode. Yes, right? this is our ninety eighth episode for sure. Um, uh, scrolling, scrolling. May tenth, twenty twenty. This is our two year anniversary <laughs> as we're recording. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! That was not planned. On, uh, <laughs> ninety. <laughs> No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But I mean, it would have been better if we had a had surprise to be sure. But but a welcome a one. Welcome one. <laughs> if we had if we had uh, uh, not missed a couple of weeks, this could have been episode one hundred. <laughs> but things happen. We we were. We'll both have to get weeks. everybody around for but that. Think we're about gonna it. We're going to have a big uh, big group of guests, hopefully for on for. Think for about it. In two and a half weeks, you and I will be living in the same town. Ah, we will be able scary. to actually record live, <laughs> uh, not live, but like in-person episodes in the future, perhaps. Tarkin would say, or sorry, Leia would say, ah, I could smell your foul stench when I was brought on board. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Oh. That just, got, just kidding. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I am excited for that, though. This is going to change the, our dynamic. And we're going to be working at the same school. I hope so, man. That'll be awesome. All right. Well, you ready to roll? Yeah. Let's uh, send the credits to them. 
All right, you can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and uh, Google Podcasts. You can find our Facebook page at Two Sons of Tatooine. You can also find um, my YouTube channel where I talk about all things books, including lots of Star Wars books, uh, uh, under the name Jonathan Cohn. And you can find my written Star Trek reviews over at Roku Depot. Uh, but until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan, a.k.a. MP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs>